Welcome to the Multiply Your Success podcast, where each week we help growth-minded entrepreneurs and franchise leaders take the next step in their expansion journey. I'm your host, Tom Dufour, CEO of Big Sky Franchise Team. And as we open today, I'm wondering if you have ever thought about franchising your business and maybe what it might look like a year into operation. Or maybe you've decided to franchise your business and you're trying to be prepared to make sure you're taking the right steps as you venture into this expansion strategy. Well, our guest today is Jeff Minder, who is a client that I've worked with and my company has worked with to help him build his dog training franchise system. He launched his franchise efforts about a year ago and he gives us an inside look into how he has gone from zero franchises to nearly 10 in just over the last 15 months or so. Now, Jeff is an award-winning teacher and entrepreneur with degrees in computer science, mathematics, information systems design, and search and rescue. He's been recognized by Dell Computers and the National Federation of Independent Businesses in their Entrepreneur of the Year Awards. Mr. Minder was a nominee to the Air Commando Hall of Fame and was recognized as one of the top survival, evasion, resistance, and escape instructors in the U.S. military. Jeff has been mentioned in many books, articles, and TV news segments pertaining to his past in the U.S. military and the accomplishments of his company, Top Tier Canine. As a business consultant and project manager, Jeff has worked with several of the world's largest and most successful companies, including Lockheed Martin, Knowles Atomic Power Lab, and Motorola, to name a few. And one note before we jump into this interview, we recorded this sometime in early fourth quarter of 2023. So some of the reference points to the dates and so on are in that time period as we go through. And I'm so excited to share this interview with you as I've gotten to know Jeff over the last couple of years. And he's just an all around great person. And he really, really cares. It's something that I really admire in him, in addition to just running a great business and having a great system that he has developed as well. So let's go ahead and jump into my interview with Jeff Minder. Jeff Minder, I'm the CEO and founder of Top Tier Canine and Top Tier Canine Franchising. Well, Jeff, thank you again for being a guest here. And talk a little bit about Top Tier Canine and what you do. We've been in business for about 10 years. We have a school that trains dog trainers from all over the world. We train them how to train pets. For folks that, that that common, you know, dog in somebody's house, teach them to sit, to calm, to, you know, to not potty in the living room. And then we have another section of the program that teaches dog trainers how to train working dogs. And that would be things like military canine, police canine, service dogs, protection dogs, and then what we call special security dogs, which would be dogs that are that are trained to really use their senses like olfactor systems to find very complicated things like a virus or a bomb. So we teach the dog trainers how to train pets and working dogs through the school. And then we have a separate piece that is just pet training for our local community where we, you know, we'll go in and, and just, you know, train pets for folks, which is the business we eventually franchise. That's where the real money is for folks. We also have a virtual reality dog training center for folks to practice working with dogs in the, in the metaverse. And so we have a canine warriors for women where we do service and protection dogs for abused women. And then we have a build and buy a battle buddy program for service dogs for disabled veterans. So the top tier canine as a whole provides quite a few opportunities for folks as dog trainers or just to have a dog trained for them. And then the piece of pet training is what top tier canine franchising 
carved out and build a support system for so that folks, they can go start their own dog training business in their own community. Talk a little bit here about what led you to start franchising and go down this expansion route. You mentioned that you've been operating for over 10 years and training dogs and trainers and getting people through this process. What led you to think about franchising? We're what's called a force multiplier. I was an old special forces guy in the military. And one of the things that we would do is go in behind enemy lines or go into different locations. And our job was to teach other people to do what we do. Right. So I could go in by myself or with a small team and come out with 300 you know, trained people ready to, to do things behind enemy lines, let's say. That's just as an example. And so what I did was in building top tier canine as a school to train other people, I started seeing ways that I could build a pattern or a process where pretty much anybody who followed that formula or that you know project process if they follow what I taught them, they could launch a successful dog training business. And then what would happen is once they were successful, they would be off on their own. And I would get calls a year later, two years later, they would need help or they would need business development or you know need help in some way, whether they wanted to go to another level for service dog training or protection dog training. And so what I wanted to do was find a way to, to make that a known entity, a known process. Well, what better way to do that than to take a successful program with, I'd say, 150 certified dog trainers around the world and say, look, instead of, you know, everybody come to the school, learn all these great techniques to be a dog trainer, you can also let me help you with your business. And and if you do that, you're going to be successful two years faster than if you try to do it as Joe's dog training, you know, garage or, you know, Betty, the dog trainer, you know, if you're just top tier canine, you you know, you can carry my processes, my my brand, my quality assurance programs and and really make money quicker. And so I didn't understand franchising at all until I called you. And then you <laughs> guys made me and helped me understand franchising in such a rapid fashion and a controlled learning fashion for me. It took the fear of franchising out and allowed me to really say, OK, I'm going to see what part of this, you know, top to canine I can really carve out to help people be successful and do it legally through the franchising process. And so I think I sold my first franchise maybe three months after meeting with you guys. And and oh, by the way, I, I did get my trademark on Top Tier Canine. Because remember, we started and you said, Jeff, it would really be wise to trademark the name because there's going to be states that you can't sell in if you're not trademarked. And so I, I think I applied the day you told me. And you said, boy, I'm not used to people like doing this right away. I'd say maybe two weeks ago, I got the federal trademark for Top Tier Canine. So that was that's what led me into franchising. And, and I'm so thankful for you guys. So glad I did it. It gives me an exit strategy for my original business because now I can help other people with their business. And each one I make a percentage on. And so after 10 franchises, that's pretty much what I can make on my own if I just run my own business. So 20 franchises, 30, 50 franchises, that's a heck of a retirement. And so that's kind of what led me into the franchising was to take that technical skill, the business savvy, the hardcore marketing, the hardcore branding, and say, how can I make money from that in the future so that as I physically and I'm unable to do all this work, I can still you know, make a living for myself, my family, my my employees, you know, the folks around me I love. 
Thanks for sharing that, Jeff. And one of the things we were talking about before we hit record on the episode today is you were talking about a hurricane that came through. As I'm listening to you tell the story, I mean, if franchising wasn't around, it would be a very different story. So I'd love for you to talk about that. It's it's ironic because there's stuff I didn't tell you that, that you're, this question now brought out. But I had set up a separate location in Milton, Florida, just outside of Pensacola, as my franchising location. This is where I was basically, I'm sitting in the kitchen right now, uh, going to retire and, and kind of wind down my work and run the franchising out of this location with my primary business of Top Tier Canine being headquartered in Madison, Florida. Well, two months ago, the hurricane came through and wiped it out. I mean, yeah, took out the house, took out the barn, took the roof off the, the business center. Uh, I mean, just annihilated. We got 17 oak trees down, you know, bigger than I'd say three feet in diameter, just down. And I, you know, so everything's blocked off, took out like so the water, the electrical. When they tried to run electric back to the location, it blew up. I mean, it sounded like a bomb going off. So I stepped back and I scratched my chin and said, okay, now remember when your insurance agent told you that they cannot write a wind policy. And so knowing full well that I have no insurance to help me with it. So had I not established my franchise location, I would not have had another place to relocate my operations to. So I instantly, as a project manager, this was a little easier, but I was able to build out the facilities here, move the lion's share of my operations from Madison to, to the Milton area. We didn't miss a beat. I had six new pets coming in that first week. You know, we had all kinds of sales going on. So the business didn't suffer at all while our headquarters and main facility were wiped out by hurricane. And so the, the revenue stream from the franchising, the communications from the franchising, I was able to reach out to my franchisees and move some of my dogs to their locations for sales to disabled veterans and service dogs. They all stepped up. It's a community that the franchise created, not just, hey, I'm a franchiser and these are guys that I'm teaching to run their business. We've turned this into a family of folks that help each other and know each other and, and you know, build confidence and can relate to each other. And, and every time they need something, I can change the franchise model and make it better for them because they are my future as much as I am their future. And it's really, it's, it's quite powerful to be in that position where you can, one, you're a force multiplier. So your ideas are going out for other people to, to use and benefit from without the struggles that I, like I went through to get there, but I can, I can create struggles for them. So they own it, right? I don't just get, they, they earn it because if they don't earn it, they're, they're going to flop. They're going to fail when I'm not there to help them. So, so I make sure they're ready. We put the pressure on them. They all stepped up. I mean, all of them stepped up to help with the hurricane. And again, we were operational. I just finished moving everything. Really? I'm not all done, but I'm close over two months. But I just sold two franchises while I'm, you know, moving everything for the hurricane. So it just, I don't know how to say it any better than to say, thank God that I had the franchise model because that, that revenue stream saved the business. And then the, the, the communications and relationships continue to grow the business. How many franchisees are in the system now? Where's this growing to? Well, we launched just about a year ago. I think October of last year was my first sale of a franchise. And we've sold seven franchises already in 12 months. And if I'm not mistaken, four to seven is the national average or somewhere around that. So, so we're sitting really nice as a non-food franchise 
with the seven franchises sold. We got two more in the hopper to close out the calendar year. You know, I've, I've shifted now to put, I was only working, honest to God, maybe two hours a month on the franchising because it was just, I have everything else going on. So now I'll be dedicating at least half of my time to, to the franchise and, to, you know, making it more even more replicable and getting it out there. So I'm hoping, you know, 14 to 20 franchises by this time next year. Incredible. Well, let's talk a little bit too about some of the work that you're doing. And just as your franchise network expands, certainly you mentioned about some of the differentiators where you're able to train these specialty dogs for specialty purposes, as well as supporting even local veterans with what you're doing. So I'd love for you to talk about that. Sure. We we just did a big program in Denver. I was there this week for American Military Family, where we launched 15 dogs for 15 veterans. And these are all Disabled veterans, you know, there's 22 on average suicides a day for veterans and first responders and active military. You're talking on average in the U.S., 22 suicides a day. Our our goal with these programs is to help get these service dogs out to these disabled veterans and reduce that number the best that we can. And our 15 for 15 was a huge success. The hurricane forced me right into that situation because I didn't want to put all the dogs in the Pensacola area because I didn't have the facilities and the infrastructure that I had in the Madison area. So I had to use my noggin to try to really make a difference in a positive way for a, you know, a negative event. And so the franchisees stepped up, they all found the veterans in their local community. So then we, as the central hub of the dogs are able to send them to a trained professional, our guys who then train the veteran. And now the veteran has ongoing support in their community so the local franchise got the benefit, right? It's top-tier canine Bradenton, top-tier canine Aurora, Colorado, top-tier canine, you know, Greenwood out of Indianapolis. So those trainers got the local press, right, for, for getting this dog to this veteran. We were able to, to go across the country to get the 15 very rapidly and, and get the benefit to each of the franchise. So that opened up even a greater piece for our franchises because now we have a level two franchise that we're the hub, we're the supplier of police canine, military canine, service dogs, protection dogs. The franchisees can be out there training pets, making tons of money in the pet industry, but they never have to say no to a customer with a police chief comes and says, I want to buy a police dog from you. And they're like, well, I don't feel comfortable training one by myself yet. Hey, Jeff, what do you got in stock? Well, I got 50 dogs. So which one do you want? And then I give a 20% a margin to the franchisee simply to resell a dog I already have. And then as the franchisee increases their training through our master's program of the school, they can start keeping more and more of the money based on the level of work they do. So in the end, they can train police canine and sell them and I'm out. I'll give my stamp, maybe I'll, you know, a $200 inspection fee to make sure the dog's properly trained, does the right thing, you know, carries our quality assurance. But then they make all the money from the police dog, the service dog, the military dog, the protection dog for abused women. But they can do that at any level that they're ready for. And I got a bunch of them. It's like, look, I want to train three or four pets a month out of my house. I want to work a couple hours a day. They're going to make, you know, 10, 15,000 a month, depending on where they live doing that. And I just want to resell some service dogs for you and help my community and 
So we do a you know a thirty five thousand dollar dog. They made seven thousand dollars just by making the phone call, right? And then that they get credit for it, right? They get the local attention. So for me, I'm I'm happy, man. Here's a quality dog. It carries the brand. You made money. I paid the cost of, of maintaining this inventory of dogs, but nobody else in the franchise system has to have that overhead, right? So it, it keeps their dollars, their investments so low that they're looking pure profit, you know, at 20% with a dog sale. And then they, you know, they're out there on the news and they got a dog for a disabled veteran. And now three people want them to train the pet because they want to support companies that help the disabled veterans. So it's it's really huge. And then what really took off in Denver this weekend was our virtual reality dog training center. So that's where you put on that headset and you practice our method of, of training a dog, which is rewards and corrections. It's called balanced dog training. So a veteran who's in a wheelchair can put on that headset and work a virtual dog with the leash, corrections, rewards. So if he rolls his wheelchair on top of the dog, the dog, you know, yelps and moves out of the way. You know, if he's if he's too close to him, the dog moves away, shuts down, doesn't obey him. He gets to work practicing with all this stuff in his wheelchair on a virtual dog and not the real dog. So then when he gets the real dog, his level of learning's up here and the dog's ready to bond with him. He's comfortable. That has been a an absolute godsend in the service dog industry, let alone the pet training side of it. It's just it's taken off. So that VR support system for the end users has, has got its its proper attention this weekend during this 15 for 15. So again, the, the franchise model with us as a hub, the hurricane that put me in a really bad position with inventory, the ability to quickly push out through the network, the inventory, turn it into a positive for disabled veterans and have the, the training apparatus of the virtual reality dog training center, which means I don't have to be online at 10 o'clock at night trying to help people learn how to use a leash, That right? It's a pull system where they can just turn it on and learn it on their own at their own pace. And then I, it just made it all possible and ironically made it into something we're going to replicate. So I think the emergency situations, you know, just create an opportunity to really test our boundaries and to test our creativity. And as long as you stay positive and as long as you look for solutions and don't, you know, complain and cry about the problems, but get out there and solve them, especially the network that a franchise creates kind of opens up opportunities that nothing else ever could open up for any business, let alone, you know, my business with dogs. It reminds me too, when I was a franchisee and a service-based business, it was one of those things very similar to what you experienced, where if something unforeseen happened with a franchisee in the network, they were able to reach out to the franchise network at large and say, I need some help. And the franchisees were able to mobilize and help keep that business operational while they were sorting through whatever was going on. In your instance, you described a natural disaster. It's sometimes it's personal things, whatever is going on. Yeah, it's true. And because I know if I didn't have the franchise system, you know, we would have been in a really tough spot with 15 additional dogs and, and, let alone being able to turn it into something very powerful and something very good for the communities. But it would you wouldn't have the network of, of folks that have the relationships where people trust them and, you know, to get things done. And, and that is the power. That's the most important power, I think, that I've learned thus far. Uh, again, we've all, I've only been doing this for a year. I've never been a franchisee. You know, my first venture into franchising is to launch an idea. 
that I had that I thought could be replicated that you you felt could be replicated as well. You know, hopefully I do what's right by my franchisees because that's really, I think, the future of the franchise is how you treat the individual franchisee. That's that's it, because anybody can call your franchisees. So if you got a problem with the franchise and you're you're making it personal and it's not getting solved, well, the next thing you know, a prospect that you have that may want to get a franchise from you calls that person and says, Hey, what do you think of Jeff? You know, and then all of a sudden you just lost a sale because you didn't solve this problem. You didn't confront this challenge. You know, you just let it fester. And I think that it just, you really got to take good care without coddling. I mean, you got to be right and righteous about everything, I think, but getting out there and making it right and, and fulfilling what you promise you'll do. And again, I agree with you that the, that the communication, the network itself, you don't have to rely on someone else's network. You're building your own network, right? And that's, and that's really powerful, uh, especially as a veteran, a disabled veteran who would look at maybe the VFW as a network, the Veterans Forum Wars, or looking at the VA system as a network. You're kind of forced into those. Those aren't something you have any control of at all. But with the franchise, you're kind of surrounding yourself with like thinking people. Like you had said in your service industry, if I'm going to be, let's say, a fence builder and, and buy a franchise as a fence builder, well, my network are all fence builders, right? They're, they're dealing day to day with the exact same challenges I am. So those are like thinking people. That's what I consider like thinking, right? You're challenged with the same stuff. You're dealing with the same problems. That's the network I I really enjoy being part of. Real value really, really quick. Well, Jeff, this is a great time in the show where we make a transition and we ask every guest the same four questions before they go. And the first question we ask is, have you had a miss or two in your journey and something you learned from it? Oh, sure. I've had a lot of misses in my journey. I think that that one of the biggest misses that I ever had was facilitating an acquisition between two companies. My job was to get out there and, and and get my organization to buy a certain technologies, right? That were big. I'm talking, you know, hundred million dollar acquisitions. Well, I failed miserably on one of them because I made it all personal. It was very difficult for me to go from I have this energy, I have this motivation, and I can't understand why you can't see what I can see. You know, and and so all I had in my inventory of tools was a hammer, right? To get out there and say, no, look at what I see and buy this. Well, I I learned to one, be more, you know, straightforward and less emotional about things to get get to the, the point, but also understand that you may have to say no to something that's really good. And that you realize, hey, in the right universe, in the right alignment of energies, this would be hugely successful. However, right now it's not. So I think that being able to say no, being able to eliminate emotion from those types of, of decisions are were created, the power to do that were created by that miss. And misses like that, many misses like that, to learn that, you know, to get in there. Both feet, keep the emotion, but don't expect everybody else to have your level of drive and your level of emotion and build a place where people can communicate and and say yes or no in a very logical way. So that's that's the big miss. Now, you asked about a good hit. Yes. Yeah. Let's talk about a make. Yes. Okay. That was when I trained the world's first COVID-19 detection dog, bar none. Everybody told me it can't be done. The CDC tried to stop me. 
The governor tried to stop me. Nobody would support me in it. And that same thing that I learned over here that I got to be careful of because I was by myself with now I shouldn't say by myself. I have my staff that I couldn't have done it without them. But I'm talking external forces that would stop me. There was nobody out there that was going to let stop me. And so I just charged hard forward and proved for the first time in the in the history that a dog's olfactory system is strong enough to find something that's one fourth the size of a wave of light. And in doing so, and now the army has has validated that it that it's done. Helsinki, Finland proved it could be done. Dubai has proved it could be done. Saudi Arabia is running them now. So we were the first in the world to do it. But that same energy that I said got me in trouble over here, at the right time, I employed it, it worked. So I guess it's recognizing, you know, if something's worth falling on your sword, you better be ready to fall on your sword. But you better recognize that there's many, many, many times it's not worth falling on that sword. You know, and and I guess that, that not losing the energy to use it when you need it, but finding that that piece to where you define success, deliver on it, and you know keep the emotion a little less. So interestingly enough, that internal drive is what created the failures and created the successes. Uh, and I'm sometimes feel like I'm just an observer in that chaos that that becomes somebody's life at those levels of of living. Wonderful. Let's talk about a multiplier. You've mentioned and used the phrase force multiplier several times. Have you used a multiplier to grow yourself, other businesses that you'd like to share here? Yeah. The the key to life, in my opinion, was defined by Dr. Benjamin Bloom. And he created a levels of learning. It's called Bloom Cognitive, Bloom's Cognitive Taxonomy, but it's how people learn. And that and that up until 1979, our school systems used it. Our military still uses it. But in 79, the federal government took over the school systems and they stopped using it. And, and you can do a direct, direct correlation to the decline of America's education system based on leaving the foundation of Dr. Bloom's cognitive taxonomy. So I employed that in building top tier canine so that when I needed a right hand man, I got it in a woman. Her name's Alyssa. But when I needed that, it was through the levels of learning and the exposure of learning through the school that allowed her to achieve the synthesis level of learning so that she can provide the support I need so I can focus on the franchise as a for instance. So that's where I used an educational model around the school I built in order to train people to be part of my force. Then I used the same taxonomy to train franchisees And I use the same uh, taxonomy to train employees for franchisees because you don't want, like the franchisees come through, I teach a business, project management, business analysis, accounting principles, legal principles. I teach everything to them so that they can go out and actually have a core understanding of it, not just do it for them. Uh, And I teach them how to to train dogs. Well, when they send an employee to me, I'm not going to teach that employee on the business side of it, right? I'm going to teach them how to train dogs and support the franchise. So I can separate the school and the classes and the curriculum because it's designed using these levels of learning. So I think that the the individual multiplier was done by being able to coordinate the training of someone 
in a non-emotional way where they earn that position to then replicate what I do so I can climb. And then the, the multiplication for the business is the exact same model. It's just that the franchisees don't go as high as Alyssa did. Right. They can jump off and make their money and make a fortune and and because they only learn what they need to learn to be successful. Right. And then as things pressure them where they have opportunities for service dogs or protection dogs, I have the model to take them to the next level of training when they need it. Not just pile them with a bunch of education and say, now go make it work. Right. It's this it's this process of learning and applying what you learn, making money seeing what works and then putting some money back in where it'll work to make more money back. So multiplication is based on positive feedback that equates to money, right? If people aren't willing to pay you for something and what you're providing them is worthless, and that's the bottom line. But having a measurable and, and a way to say, I'm getting paid because of that piece, not a big hype thing, but you can really break it down to say, that's the quality I need to improve. That's the quality I need to focus on that makes me the biggest return. That means I'm providing value. I'm meeting people's true needs and they're willing to pay me to do it. So I think that the Bloom's Cognitive Taxonomy allowed me to, to be a multiplier for myself through people like Alyssa and then allowed the same model allowed me to be a force multiplier by training dog trainers and business people out there that carry our quality, carry our brand. And again, they make a bunch of money. And so I make 7% of that. And they, you know, and which is fine by me because I didn't used to make anything and do that. So the franchise allows me to make a little, a little back from that, which keeps me engaged to ensure that they stay successful and keeps me coming up with new ideas to help them even more, which I don't believe I would really be doing without the franchise model. And the final question we ask every guest, Jeff, is what does success mean to you? I think, and this is my military background, and I taught survival in the military, taught people to, you know, survive in the wilderness and escape POW camps and resist interrogation. But it's about, you know, being that rugged individual and realizing you truly are in this alone. You come in alone, you go out alone, right? So I think that that success to me is having a replicable legacy whereby this isn't Jeff Minder dog training. This is top tier canine to where all the franchises that are that are giving of their blood and giving of their money and giving of their soul, you know, into the program to be successful, that the day I die, they don't miss a beat. So I think success is having a system that continues to run forever, even when you, the inventor, you, the idea guy are gone. So that's what I define success as. And, and, and really, everything else is the struggle to succeed, right? So you'll have daily wins and short-term wins. But I think for the, for the overall success is that, is that when I know it's over, there's no doubt in my mind that five franchises are signing up three months after I die. And everybody who's made their investments in this program are still growing and their kids are growing and their grandkids are growing and they have you know, just ongoing success. That's what I uh, would consider success. As we bring this to a close, Jeff, is there anything you were hoping to share or get across that you haven't had a chance to yet? The one thing that I, I learned a lot more about this weekend is one of my young franchisees. Okay, so she's, she's 20 years old in Denver, Colorado, and she owns Top Tier Canine Aurora, okay, which is a suburb of, of Denver. 
she's 20. When she first came to talk to your canine to become, to learn how to train pets, she had so much anxiety. She could barely come up on camera, like in a Zoom conference. When she was here, a water hose broke, right? And, and I learned this, uh, issues with water, just issues with daily challenges. She would shut down. I mean, she would cry. And, and Saturday night, she got up with her dog that she trained through the program. It's her demo dog. Because what they talk to your canine does is when you start your franchise, you have a demo dog, a demonstration dog that you train, that we help you, you know, train. I'm talking bike work, tracking, scent work, advanced obedience, everything. She gets up with her dog, Coda, and she does a demonstration of her service dog that also protects. So we did bike work and everything in front of the crowd of 300 people. In the Omni Hotel, I mean, you're talking just ritzy, beautiful layout. She came back up on the stage, put the microphone in front of her mouth, and she has to talk. And she eloquently expressed herself and her franchise in the Denver area. That all came from a kid in high school who just decided there's nothing in traditional government-run colleges that are going to benefit them in their future. Nothing. And now she owns her own business at a time that some kids that were going through college have already dropped her classmates, have already dropped out, or they're waitressing at a restaurant that may be getting ready to shut down. They don't know what they're going to do. And here she is running her own business in control of her own destiny, right? And then here we are as the franchisor out there putting on these big events to bring her up and expose her in the community that I, I just think. For anybody who might be watching this, who either wants to do a dog franchise or just wants to franchise their own idea, I think that the future of America is, has always been self-employment and people starting their own businesses. But I think as a franchisor, where you are, you absolutely have the responsibility to teach the basics of business, the basics of capitalism, the basics of accounting. Of, of integrity, of ethics, of contract negotiations. If you have to include that in your franchise offering, that business development, or you're not going to have a group of people ready to move into your franchise, right? Because that is no longer offered in high school. That's no longer offered in most technical schools. That's barely offered in most colleges. That by having that business platform and that business development as part of the franchise offering, that's what's going to create young entrepreneurs from the millennials and Z-Gen and everybody we have now that can't even spell business. They hear the word capitalism and they've been conditioned to vomit, right? They, you know, they've basically been indoctrinated so badly. You as a franchisor need to be prepared to bring these young folks in, help them launch their business. And that truly is the future of America. And, and self-employment, honestly, I don't see it happening a whole lot more outside of franchising just because the training's not there for the young folks to even think about setting up their own accounting system, just as a for instance. But I would say that that's, that's a big point I wanted to make, that, that older folks like myself that may want to make a difference in the youth today, you may not be able to do it by screaming about the colleges messing up or screaming about the high schools messing up or yelling about the next election. None of that matters as much as Taking your skill set, teaching a younger generation, helping them get started in their own business. Franchising is an easy way to do that. And we owe it. I think we owe it to the younger generation to help them understand that what they've been learning and seeing is not 
you know, what America is supposed to be, that being self-employed, being your own boss, making your own way, taking these risks, being rewarded for these risks, that's America. And that's what my brothers fought and died for. And that's what I stand up for. And that's what our franchise is all about. So if anybody wants to see, you know, what it is we do, understanding our systems, understanding our processes, it's top tier canine. Dot com and that's top tier letter k number nine dot com and then top tier canine franchising dot com so it's two different websites two different offerings and you can see everything about our business our business structure our franchise system and and how we're how we're working with disabled veterans how you know abused women and then of course young folks to, and run and you don't have to be young folk to start a top tier canine franchise it's just that I have a lot of satisfaction when I see these young people's lights come on and they're like, oh, wow, this is great. You know how to start my own business. And I I really enjoy that part of it. Jeff, thank you so much for a fantastic interview. And let's go ahead and jump into today's three key takeaways. So takeaway number one is how Jeff shared that franchising has been a force multiplier for his business. And so he's been able to build a school that trains other people and now to franchise it to teach other people how to run their own business as well. Takeaway number two is that he's been able to build a community through his franchise system and franchise network that's growing. And he gave the great example and maybe unfortunate example that occurred to him when a hurricane knocked part of his operation to be unusable and he couldn't operate. And the franchise system was able to provide him income during that time when he wasn't able to generate revenue from his core business. I just like to make that point for someone that's thinking about franchising their business. For most we've worked with, they have maybe one or two locations that are all close together. So if an unfortunate circumstance were to come through, such as a natural disaster, this franchise system provided a solution to him that he he wasn't even thinking about. I think that was great. And he said that that franchise community allowed him to still operate not only through royalty income that was coming through, but in addition, he was able to have his service dogs that he had trained or needed help with to other franchisees that were operating to support and help make that happen. So I just think that's a great story. And one of those stories that is often missed in the discussion of franchising. Takeaway number three is when he talked about a make that he had, which to me was incredible, how he was able to train the first COVID detection dog. That's just amazing to me. And now it's time for today's win-win. So today's win-win is when he talked about how as a franchisor, he's able to train and coach and teach future business leaders. And whether that's, as he said, millennials or Generation Z or any other future generation that comes along, but that he's able to teach these franchisees business and what it means to run and operate a business and how to do that effectively and help build leaders to help build a better future and to build the future of America. And I just thought that was a great conclusion to talk about that he's doing that. And he gave the example of 20 year old franchisee in his system that has gone from having high anxiety to now building a successful operating franchise in his network. 
And so that's the episode today, folks. Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. And remember, if you or anyone you know might be ready to franchise their business or take their franchise company to the next level, please connect with us at BigSkyFranchiseTeam.com. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to having you back next week.